Welcome to Wisco Dice. Hey, yo, folks, it's Conzi with the most. What is going on? It is episode 41 on January 13th, 2021. That's pretty crazy. 41 episodes of Conzi Diary and quite a few of them just in the last uh, couple of months. I'm pretty happy with that. So on today's episode of Conzie's Diary, we're going to talk about another game review, another game that I really like, that I've been playing a bit lately, called Artemis Project. Now, I haven't been able to do a lot of in-game play, but I did get to play this in person with my wife recently as a two-player. This game really does shine when you get four or five players at the table to play it. Uh, I find I like it more, and I'm able to play that online using a application boardgameplay.com. There's not a lot of games on it, but the it does actually have the official online implementation of Artemis Project, and it works really slick. and And we had a we've had a ton of fun playing it a couple times now in the past few weeks. Now, the Artemis Project is a game published by Grand Gamers Guild and is designed by Daryl Chow and Daniel Oroki. Plays one to five players, and I find in a normal tabletop game, it takes about 90 minutes to play. I find the online implementation with five players, four to five players, we were finding that to take almost somewhere around two and a half, three hours. You always got to expect at least a third, if not double the time it would take you to play a tabletop game online. It's going to take longer. So it's just the nature of the beast right now. So with Artemis Project, the game is themed around you being, you taking the head of a team whose goal is to build the most successful colony on Europa, uh, Europa being the frozen moon on Jupiter. And so Earth is... Uh, developed space travel we've made it to juniper we were able to send colonization there where we're finding precious metal minerals and energy and we're trying to establish a colony there so that we can uh, continue to mine and, and utilize those resources on that on that moon during the game you'll go ahead and recruit colonists you're going to gather in uh, resources and energy you'll go on missions you'll build structures you know, all these cool things that kind of help you build into that theme of creating this amazing colony on the on the moon. Let's dive into how you play Artemis Project. Artemis Project is a dice placement game where it's got a, some light resource management components, it's got some bidding elements, and it's got some cooperative elements all kind of tied into this and tied into the game, I, I think, quite brilliantly. Turns are broken into basically three phases. You have a a placement phase, a resolution phase, and then an upkeep phase. And the game lasts a total of six total turns. During the placement phase, there's going to be a series of places on the board where you can take dice. You'll have a pool of five dice each player has um, that get rolled at the beginning or during the upkeep of the uh, previous turn or at the part of the setup of the game. And so they various you know, one through six pips on those dice. You're going to take it in turns, placing a dice on the board on one of the various uh, numbered spaces. Each of those spaces then during the resolution phase will do different things for players based on the type of location they're at. So there are good uh, kind of go through a real high level of each of the locations. So the first location you go to and you resolve and, and they resolve around the board in, in numerical order. 
from the right hand side of the board actually and then you work your way back to the uh, through the left and bottom and then the left of the board so you start with a base camp and that's where you can send use you utilize your dice and or some of your colonists potentially when you place dice there to go on basically expeditions is what they call it which are basically missions and when you one of the ways you score points at the end of the game is ha- uh, completely having successfully completed expeditions. You'll get little tokens. Uh, if you were the first, if you're either the highest or second highest player uh, uh, number of pips uh, player at that expedition. Not to- on top of that, the person who had the greatest pips uh, on their dice at an expedition spot will actually get to pick first from two fabulous prizes. And if you are the only person that contributed on a successful expedition, you get all the fabulous prizes from that expedition. Prizes can can vary from additional colonists to mineral and energy resources, toolkits, which we'll talk about in a second, or other types of things that might uh, come up. Then you have the two sections on the bottom of the board, the vents and the quarry. These are basically the exact same spaces, except that they reward uh, a different type of resource. At the vents, you'll get energy. At the quarry, you get minerals. And that's the only two resources really in the entire game. They're really obfuscated so that we don't get into the different types of energy that you might be getting or that you get into the different types of minerals that you might be collecting. Really just high level, hey, just minerals and energy. And the way these work uh, is when you place your dice there, it has like a low row, and the lowest number dice start on the left-hand side of the row, and the highest number side of the dice go to the right-hand side of the row. And then what happens is when we get to the resolution step, the dice that are on the left-hand side get to pick and gather their total number of resources equal to the number of pips on their dice. So if you had a, a one, you get one resource, but if you but you will get to t- you are guaranteed that resource where if you placed a 6 if by the time it gets to resolving your 6 there's only 4 left and it is a limited supply each turn you only get 4 and if you and if there were none left you got none by the time it got to resolving your 6 or whatever your the dice was that was the highest number so both of the defense and the quarry work that way then you get to the gantry, and the gantry is a section which populates every round with new buildings. And the first three rounds of the building, first three rounds of the game, you're going to get structures that are capable of awarding additional aids at the end of each round that your building will be able to activate and kind of assist you with either generating resources or toolkits or doing some other cool little mechanic that helps you in your goal to try to be the most successful colony. The second half of the game you'll start to build buildings on the surface of Europa, and those buildings all go towards end game scoring. They no longer can be activated. Those buildings those buildings can't be activated at the end of each round. It's just simply at the end of the game. If they are fully staffed, then they activate. Now, buildings are fully staffed when you have, and they have uh, little squares where you can place colonists, which are little meeples that you collect during the game. And so as you gather colonists or when you place the building, you can move colonists onto it to fill those spaces. And then uh, that would mean that, you know, at the end of the game, if it's one of those four through six, you're able to score it if it's fully staffed. And during at the, at the if a building or structure is fully staffed and it's one of those one it turns one through three buildings, 
then you'll be able to get the fabulous prizes that that building does at the end of the round. Then we have the doorstep. We talked a lot about colonists. Now, this is where you can actually acquire little colonist meeples, and they get drawn randomly either from a bag or there's a shaker kind of thing that you can put together if you got the special version of this game. I think it's a Kickstarter version of it. And anyways, uh, you'll, so you'll draw so many based on the number of players. You'll draw so many of them from the bag, and there are four different types. There's the basic pioneer, which is the generic worker. Then you have a marine, an engineer, and a steward. So that's a, a red worker, basically a blue worker, and a purple worker. And these um, colonists, these meeples, can base the buildings may have certain places where you need to place a certain color of of worker and at the end of the game if you have full sets of all four for each full set it's worth three victory points which is a can be really swingy if you're can be a really good source of victory points at the end of the game if you can get two or three sets of of these workers uh the next section is the academy so this game's got a cool concept of how training works so instead of you know, these colonists are all outfitted with basically port or some kind of slot in there that connects to their brains. Come when you send uh, when you place your dice at the academy, you also send you have to place a meeple there as one of these worker meeples, one of the four I just described, at the location as well. And then basically, based on the pips on your dice, if it's a one to two, you get like a I think it's an engineer. If it's a three to four, you get a marine. If it's five to six, you get the um, the steward. And then basically what you're going to do is get uh, that colonist at the end of the when you go to resolve it. Well, we popped in a little, you know, extra programming into their brain and now poof, they're magically an engineer or magically a marine. You know, they, they change. So you change, you put that uh, meeple that you put on the put on the space with your dice um, and there's a pool. And there's only four each of each um, of these three advanced types of, of workers that are that are actually available, and that pool is set. It never refills. So if all four uh, engineers are taken from, from the academy, you can't train any more engineers at the academy. The Outfitter, this is the final place where you can place workers, and this actually resolves during the placement phase and not the resolution phase. It's the only spot that does this, and this is where you can get toolkits. Now, toolkits are cool because basically it's the way the game gives you to mitigate some dice rolls. And so basically what a, you can spend a toolkit to increase or decrease the pip on a dice by one. And you can do this over and over based on the number of toolkits you have. So if you needed that six, you can, and you rolled a bunch of ones, well, you can spend five toolkits and you've got a six. And you can go here at the outfitter and immediately gather a toolkit or two toolkits if you place a five or six pip dice on this location. Obviously, you probably at this point go, well, what happens if I'm not the first or second uh, leading person on one of those expeditions? Or what happens if I don't get any resources on the vents or quarry? Or what happens if somebody outbids me for a structure because they put a higher pip dice on the building I wanted? Well, there's a relief track. And basically what happens if in any of those scenarios you end up getting shafted by your opponents, then you get to move up one on the relief track and then select from any of the available unlocked prizes from on the relief track uh, that, you could, that you could get. So as you move up the relief track, you get more options. 
Um, it's not attractive. You don't want to be moving up the relief track, but you do unlock, uh, as you do move up, you will add, unlock things like, hey, get two energy or get two minerals or get two toolkits or something like that. Um, so, uh, and you get to choose anything that you've passed equal to or anything you've passed, you get to choose from the available ones. Finally, you get into the upkeep phase, and the upkeep phase is basically a quick cleanup phase for the game. There are a couple of cool little things that do happen during the upkeep phase that are worth noting. The first one is that sometimes you end up in a situation where you need to move colonists around on your, on your uh, either from your shelter, which is basically your player board, to a building, or you need to start to try to rearrange some things on your uh, in your structures or whatnot so that you can get maybe move some guys to some of those those end game scoring from those uh, early structures you built. And so you can move either one meeple one or one colonist meeple from a structure to your player board or you can take one from your player board and move it to a structure. Then you get to activate any of your fully staffed structures and then you have to pay one energy for anyone that you left uh, in your shelter, which is basically your shelter is on the surface of Europa, so it's super cold on Europa, and that's and you have to burn some energy to keep them warm so they don't die. If you don't pay any energy, if you can't, then any colonists you can't pay energy for will actually go back to the draw bay because they froze to death. Then you'll select a new start player, so basically whoever has the least amount of resources between energy and minerals gets to actually pick who's the next first, the first player for the next round. Typically, it's advantageous to be the last player in the turn so that you can place that last dice. So usually you're picking whoever is going to be, you know, whoever would be, you know, making sure that, you know, makes it so that you're the last player in the turn order. Overall, I think Artemis Project is a solid eight for me on Board Game Geek. It's not over complex. It's very, it's got very basic components, board rules, um, but it's got this really great gameplay. I will note that it retails at MSRP for $60 US uh, right now today. That's a little pricey for what you get in the game. I, I will admit that. However, I did a quick look, and even at Miniature Market right now, it's uh, selling for about $43 US. So you can find uh, this game for a pretty affordable price if you want to look around on the internet. One big area of concern with Artemis Project, and I just want to throw this out here, out there, is that it is a high player interaction game. Um, so players are going to be bumping each other. There's going to be a little bit of, um, you know, potentially hurt feelings if somebody, uh, you know, if you're trying to get, if you really need to get in energy and, and you placed a four and then everybody else placed ones and twos and now you don't get four energy, that can be uh, you know frustrating. Or if you get outbid because one of your opponents puts a four on a building, you bid three on, or you put a three pip dice on, and they put a four on it, and then you don't get that structure. That can be really frustrating for players. And I've seen that actually at a game uh, cause some tension. So if you have players that can get a little frustrated or get really frustrated with that kind of high player interaction type game. Maybe this isn't the game for for you or for them. 
But otherwise, like I said, I really do. I really, really, really do like this game. Uh, like I said I, I rated an eight on, on Board Game Geek, and I would strongly recommend playing it. Just be aware of the player interaction component. All right, that's it for today's episode. Thanks so much for listening. Make sure you leave a review of the show on any of your favorite places to find podcasts if they allow reviews. Also, make sure you give us a like on Facebook, um, on our Facebook page. That's Wisco Dice. Uh, and don't forget either to follow us either on Twitter or Instagram. We'd love to get those follows going in. Uh, if you like what we're doing, uh, more, more of that interaction really does help encourage us to continue to output all the content that we do. If you haven't looked recently, make sure you catch up on our blog at wiscodice.com. That website is wiscodice.com. And until next time, peace out.